Well, before we start talking to Dutch officially, because Randy, you're recording, I see. You always do that. Yeah. And I never listen to the show, so I don't know if he gives us a good edit or not. But uh, I just got to give a shout out to Thomas Burke, because we wouldn't be sitting here talking to Dutch without him. Uh, with that TBR report, I, you know, I pitched it to him on air. Clark hates it when I do that, that we get together and we start a segment. He's one of the only people that ever taken us up on it. Yeah. And he brought me Horror in the High Desert, which was a, you know, found footage movie on Tubi that, I mean, this is going to sound really like egotistical, but, you know, back in the day, we used to have a lot of time to dig through Amazon Prime and Tubi and find cool shit to talk about and people to find. We just don't right now with the film fest and everything. And uh, Thomas, you're doing God's work, man, because we both, we had such a good time. Watching Horror in the High Desert. Yeah. And you did the impossible task of actually getting us a fan of the show in the director. It's happened before. What happened again? Counting my time, the number. But Dutch, dude, thank you for taking the time out to talk with us. Thanks. I'm stoked to be on the show. And now Dutch, uh, here's, here's. Yeah, go ahead. I was just going to say, I was in Palm Springs, like celebrating that the movie was getting watched, you know, and sure. I get a Facebook message from Thomas, like introducing himself and, <clears throat> and directing me to the podcast. And I was like, who is this dude? So I checked it out <laughs> and, and started kind of like befriended Tom and dude, I wish I had like a fraction of that guy's energy. Oh, he has but seen we, every we talk movie about it all the time. He, I know it's insane of like he is just an encyclopedia of film and, and certainly of, of found footage because I think he's seen everything. Um, but with Tom, we worry about his health because he's just he's working nonstop. He's, he's fucking Icarus. He's smoke. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> let me tell you something. That sun is right there. He, it's um, only going to be days before he burns out and there's a movie about finding him. Yeah, he, yeah, for <laughs> sure. It's certainly, he is certainly setting himself up for this. No question. <laughs> yeah, I don't, you know, um, Dutch, we're the, we're the same age. We're both born in 85. I've been uh, creeping around on you. And okay. all these young kids, it's that damn stereotype where he's got five monitors in a room. He's watching two movies, cutting two movies at the same time, and he's on his letterbox posting. Yeah. Yeah. Where I struggle to do one of those things. Me too. He's got he's got like Dexter's laboratory set up in there. Well, you know, you say that, and yet we're here talking about a movie that you filmed in quarantine. And uh, I don't know how many people think about found footage this way, but there's definitely an a like film culture that has, you know, like quarantine and unfriended vaguely, but you know, paranormal activity and Blair Witch. And then there's the internet film community that's got like all our favorite people. Like, you know, uh we got fear footage of Ricky Umberger and yeah. we have um uh you know we got Hell House LLC, all these like little franchises. Somehow y- you made it in there. And you've got one movie that's on Tubi. So I'm curious how people even found it. And I, I am aware that Tubi made a subcategory of found footage horror. But yeah. if you're a fan of fan footage, found footage horror and you go through there, you'll notice that some of those aren't even in-world camera at all. And we, yeah. we champion Tubi on the show. Oh, I love Tubi. Yeah. They're local. Yeah, but... They're doing the Lord's work over there. But I'm still not convinced I would have ever found your movie. So, I mean, how does it feel? Like, how did the internet find you? I am still 
trying to figure that out. I was originally like really disappointed when it came out because it was supposed to premiere on Amazon, mm. but they had just, well, like months prior to this, they had made a decision to stop uh, releasing independently produced nonfiction. So documentaries. And this is presented as a documentary. It even used the words like in the opening of the movie, it says this movie documents, blah, blah, blah. Yeah. So they were like, they pulled it, and, <clears throat> excuse me, and were like, yeah, it's too, um, it, it doesn't do a good job of letting you know that it's not real. So I was just like, okay, it's going out to pasture on Tubi because I was not really familiar with Tubi. Um, and then I was, I think it was like a couple weeks after it came out, Dread Central, uh, did like five different, uh, little blurbs on it. They were super cool. They, uh, interviewed me, did like a little interview, but I still was not sure if people were watching it or not. And then I read this IMDB review <laughs> where this guy was like, uh, this Facebook group I'm in is, you know, like going bananas over this movie. I think it's shit. And I, was, <laughs> I was like, Facebook group. Uh, so I dug around and found it. And it was like, kind of, it was surreal to see all these posts of people. It was really divided. People either love this movie or hate it, which was interesting to, to, uh, read all of that. And I think letterboxed, which I was also new to is kind of on responsible for people seeing it. Cause it's been shared a lot on uh letterboxed. Now who, who in dread central reached out to you? Mike Sproggy. I could be saying that wrong. I actually blindly sent them a screener and then he responded shockingly because no you'll send like 50 emails to people like that and get maybe one response sure so now i know you're a um a newer listener but we used to have a bit that we like canned where we would uh refer to our like not part of the podcast uh programmer at uff um madeline as marbles and the joke was that we always said she had died i don't we're terrible <laughs> friends now it's not really up for debate now she um she did some work with Fangoria and Rue Morgue and we always flirted with the idea of trying to do like a magazine and we thought it would be cool for like found footage and she was kind of telling me their editorial process that she used so it's I'm imagining you sent that screener out to them and somebody saw it and said hey anybody interested in this gets to keep the movie and cover it so I wanted you to mention Mike because man maybe we should talk to him anybody who's got like a little bit of a platform and is willing to reach out and cover something that's you know this is a niche market we're dealing with mm -hmm. here and I mean, a, you can, go ahead I'm sorry I was just gonna say he is a that's found footage is his thing cool because we need uh people like him what you you listened when we had Nick on, and I mentioned uh, being a gatekeeper of like film, and he corrected me. He's like, we should be key masters. Is it, was that the correct? <laughs> yeah, term? enough Ghostbusters. I talk. know, and I thought about that after. I'm like, was he fucking Ghostbustering me? Of right course there? he was. Oh yeah, but uh, yeah. Shout out to Mike. Maybe we should look him up because man, that's the real hurdle I think indie film have now is just like you you premiered on Tubi. 
which I, I think yeah. is pretty cool. But I, the first thing I thought was why Tubi? Yeah, it's, it's, um, and it's a lot bigger than I thought too. It's in New Zealand, uh, Australia, Mexico, and I think Canada. Um, but apparently okay. they have plans to go worldwide. We, I had just assumed they were worldwide. Man, I'm naive. Yeah, I don't know how I things wish. work. <laughs> <this every day. laughs> so before, before we get in too deep on this, uh, Dutch, I, I think a good starting point um, yeah. with, with all this is you and I, with your name specifically, because I hear the name Dutch, I think of two things. I think of oven. I think of I do not <laughs> as a name. As a name, I think I think of a uh, I think of a pitcher in the 1930s, and I think of uh, a doctor in the old west. You don't, you don't appear to be either one of those things. What about the best character in Predator? No. Hear ye. Uh, okay, so Again, Dutch. I'm a Stallone guy. Oh. Fuck Arnold. <laughs> so it's actually my middle name. It's my uh, grandfather's name. It's Yugoslavian, but it's actually pronounced properly Dooch. Oh. So D-U-C-H. And the reason I transformed it into Dutch is because when I was doing the acting thing down here, I'd be sitting in a in an audition waiting room forever, and then a little casting assistant would come out and be like, <laughs> giggle. I always knew when they were going to call me because they would kind of look at the paper for a while and giggle <laughs> and be like, douche, marriage. <laughs> and it would like my blood would boil. So I'm like, you, uh, you know, it's not douche, you know, like. <laughs> So finally, I was like, I'm throwing a T in it and going by <laughs> Dutch. Because it yeah. was, I either got douche, because people would say it with, most people would say douche without realizing what was even coming out of their mouth. Yeah. Like, they're not hearing what they're saying out loud. Or they yeah. would say Dutch. So I'm like, I'm going, I asked my grandpa, I was like, would you care if I put a T in here? And went by Dutch, and he's like, "Go for it." I've dealt with the the people not being able to pronounce it too. That's and great. It no, it's a tricky thing because I, I in high school I was a um, I was the PA announcer for the baseball team because I realized I was better at that than catching fly balls. So uh, my <laughs> senior year, I transitioned over to do the the PA announce, and I'll never forget. Um, I would always have to go to the opposing team's coach and get the lineup. And then I would go over any names that, you know, w was sort of kind of tricky. Now, the majority of the teams would hand me, uh, you know, a piece of paper that it printed out the roster. Uh, this particular coach at Riverfield Academy did not do such a thing. He hand wrote everything and I really couldn't read half of them and he really didn't care. So there was a kid on the team named Houston. But it was spelled like John Houston, and a 17-year-old Clark was not aware of John Houston and the spelling of John Houston, so I pronounced it Huston. <laughs> and boy, the giggles that pursued. So, yeah, it's a tricky thing. Was there some deep trauma with you? No, I'm just saying. Okay. <laughs> I'm just saying names are fucked up, man. <laughs> And we, and we get squirrely with names. And me and you do all the time when we're covering this shit, especially back to Thomas doing his international uh, deep dive into found footage. Well, because we all have boring names. Yeah, I know. You're Russell Fisher. 
I'm Clark. Oksana's got an interesting name. It took me seven years to figure out how to say her last name. Oh, you figured You've it out? You've been dating her for 11. <laughs> you couldn't even tell me. I can't spell what it. What is it? <laughs> Osachi. How is it spelled? O-S-A-C-H-I-Y, right? Yes. It used to be oh, spelled. The, the Y <laughs> would be... throw me for a loop. Yeah. People, people have asked me if I'm Japanese. Um, it used to be Osachia, and there was a D in it. What? Where the hell did that go? Yeah. O S A D C H A Y A. Nope. Mm-hmm. Not trying it. <laughs> you should see it spelt in cerulean or whatever they Ooh. right. <laughs> Hieroglyphics. That's right. In the blood of their conquered enemies. Yeah. Love it. <laughs> right, you have any right. other probing questions for Dutch? No, I think I'm done. You could have went on IMDb and saw that was not his first name. No, but I'm asking. That, but it's an interesting name, and we got an interesting story, and we we would not have gotten if it had not been for me. Thank you very much, Russell. It's All your right. show. All right. Well, I you know I have a question for you, and you, so horror in the high desert. You've basically yeah. taken uh, what South Park decreed was murder porn. And uh, is that what they were calling it? I think it was murder porn, where it's yeah. this kind of like true crime forensic files. And I mean, I'm guilty of it. I used to go to bed playing forensic files until Oksana complained that it was too bright of a show. Now, not in um, context, just in literal, like, lit up the, the room. Medium. Yeah, it yeah. lights up the room all yeah. night. Well, we're, we're a true crime society now. Yeah, but I'm not really. I don't like true crime. But it's in, it's in everything. It, it's it everything. Is. And, um, you know, I remember when we first started doing the podcast, somebody came up and they're like, yeah, you guys are kind of like last podcast on the left. And I instantly, yeah, you hear a name like that and you're like, oh, that's, a, that's gotta be a horror show. I'm like, oh, they do true crime. And then I, I was introduced. Do they? Yeah. They do a lot of true crime. Pass. I, re- weird, right? Like yeah. there's a confusing nonfiction fiction thing. But, um, what I'm trying to get to here is that your mm-hmm. film is called horror in the high desert. Mm-hmm. Yeah. The film is a, it's a TV show essentially where you have a crew yeah. mm-hmm. doing a, um, you know, what 99% of could be any TV show on the travel channel or on the discovery. But then you got that one extra percent. That's just like the fiction found footage stuff we love. Yeah. And so what, this is like a dorky question, but do you have any idea what the show would be called in this world? Like the TV show version of horror. Yeah, High one of the things I walked away from with your film was I loved the concept and the presentation, but I wanted to know, like, you know, cause it's found footage fans. I'm sure you do this too. The craft is part of it. And yet yeah. you've done such a good job making the TV show that they don't ever talk about. Like, we don't know who the host is. We don't know how their production is, where they're based out of what TV channel we're on. And I'm kind of like, you know, this community, I think we would be into it. Okay, I am so stoked to hear you saying this because the the um, overall kind of Bible for Horror in the High Desert is that it is a series. Each movie is going to be like an episode of um, kind of like a mashup of, have you ever seen Disappeared? Uh, I think I have. Like they kind of blend together, yeah. Yeah, yeah, they're all kind of the that same docu series type of thing. So each movie is going to exist in the the high desert universe, um, but they're not going to necessarily be all related. Like the the next movie coming out 
at the beginning of this year of uh, the beginning of next year is called Minerva and it takes place like in the next town over from where Gary went missing. And at some point, uh, so y- you remember from the first movie, gal, the woman that plays the journalist, yeah. her part was done over zoom. She's going to kind of be the, she'll transition into being like the host. Uh, for lack of a better term. And then I'm going to come out from behind the camera and also introduce myself as the filmmaker behind it and be, uh, play the other host. So each episode or they're movies, but I'm calling them episodes. So each episode will be kind of covering a different, either disappearance or murder or phenomena. Cause they're not all going to be true crime, but, I think the title would would still be horror in the high desert because there because each installment will have like the next one is called horror in the high desert Minerva because the woman who goes yeah. that it centers around her name's Minerva type of deal. Well, you know what that works with perfectly because I kept trying to think, is there a real life example of a movie that kind of was made you know for whatever reason and uh found an audience and turned into Mm -hmm. something more and you know catfish that's exactly what happened with that show oh yeah uh, yeah neve went out and they were like we don't know what we're doing and again i know there's a huge uh debate on on whether this is like fictional or not which is why i think catfish works so well in found footage the feature film the both the feature film and the show now the the features bullshit Okay, I know. I I like to believe that I it's love real. Your I, <laughs> I'm glad somebody does. Now, here's here's the thing. It's like you know the, the the movie was made and it's interesting no matter what. And I mean, if that were in horror in the high desert and it ended with a murder, oh my god, it would have been amazing. Yeah, but I yeah. part of the reason why I think it's real is because it ends on such a flat line. But, you know, it did transition into a uh, an MTV show, which now has an English uh, wing. And I'll, oh, dude, Clark, have we ever talked about this? An English wing? What yeah. do you mean? They serve a tea and biscuits? So they, had, they have a, um addition that across the pond. <laughs> oh. So they have uh, catfish over there. And well, one, we've been copying them for decades, so it's about time they copy us. Dude. And they copy catfish. So one of the hosts. Yeah, that's what they pick. All <laughs> yeah, right, that's what did it. <laughs> Jesus Christ. And here's the thing. One of the hosts, I swear to God, he's an albino, and his name is Uba. It's O-O-H-B-A. Uba. Uba. And they say it all that we turned it into a drinking game. We're like, every time they say Uba, you got to take a shot. Anyway, <laughs> yeah, with, with Horror in the High Desert, I kept trying to think like, man, you've got legs here. And I didn't know if you felt trapped by the title or not, but it sounds like you've already thought about this and Horror in the High yeah. Desert Minerva works. Because, dude, you could, even, you could even work the angle of like, hey, this, is, this was going to be a pilot that failed and I dumped it on Tubi and now it found an audience. So, you know what? Fuck them. I'm just doing it. It's just me and this journalist and and dude, I really think you're you're going to be in there with like uh, the fear footage and Hell House LLC because thank you, I, I'm stoked about that. Now I all you got to do just keep the good ideas coming. Now, are you a fan of the fear footage? Uh yeah, I am. Absolutely. So, it's dude, incredible I, what he achieved with so little. Yeah, on an iPad. He shot and edited he the thing on an, on an iPad. Yeah. Wow. 
Wow. Well, yeah. It's crazy, um, right? Yeah. That's crazy. I'm super stoked to hear you say that. And your your uh drinking game with what was it? Upa? Uba. Uba. Oh my god, people do that with horror in the high desert. They're like, if I hear Gary one more time, <laughs> oh. I'm like, oh god, I didn't it's it was kind of hard to like edit that out because that it's they're who who they're talking about it's the guy that's missing so you know of course they're going to keep saying his name but people do the same thing with with gary (laughs) that's interesting because um i've had conversations about that like what is too much when you when you identify a character by name in a script because that really bothers people where i'm on the other side of that argument where i if i remember a character's name uh it's uh, an achievement on my part and The thing or is, or an actor's name, yeah, but like in the docu series you've created, when you mention Gary all the time, I feel like when I'm talking to people and they don't really have a deep connection with somebody, they'll mention them by name, and it yeah. kind of felt like it, it gave your your movie this kind of atmosphere, like um, people really cared about Gary now that he's gone, and they kept mentioning yeah. him, and they're like, oh, I'm thinking back now, and it's kind of this like, like if you've ever been to a friend's memorial. And people are always mm-hmm. like, oh, my buddy. Oh, God, I almost mentioned a real friend that died. No, but, you know, they keep mentioning him by name. Hey, I yeah, wouldn't have been yeah. And it's like, oh, Gary, 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 Gary. Yeah, I don't know. I felt like that added to the depth of your film. It's a hard uh, line because if you're going for realism, which, was, which is my thing for all of these movies is as much realism as I can get. Yeah. And so with the actors, they definitely had specific lines that they had to say, but for the interviews, each uh, question and answer, we would go over it right before we taped it. And most of them, they had no idea what they were going to be saying until that day. So that I could kind of get them to have that emotional recall or, you know, word recall and, appear as if they're really trying to recall a memory type of thing. So it's, it was hard to filter out a, like some repetitive things that, that happened. Um, and I, I really wanted to go for the realism of an actual dateline or unsolved mysteries type of show where you don't have all the answers and not every single thing is com- is explained like the age difference between Beverly and Gary. Oh my God. Yeah. It's <laughs> hilarious. The, oh, Cause I, we, the funny thing is we actually shot a thing explaining that. Oh, explaining their age difference. But then I was like, do I really need to include that? Because on a, Dateline, which is what I kind of modeled this around, they wouldn't ever, you know, they're not going to take the time to explain why Mary Beth doesn't look like her brother Bob or because it's like kind of irrelevant to the the subject matter. But looking back, man, I wish I would have because it is like the first thing that people uh, almost every review (laughs) everyone that reaches out to me to talk about it. They're like, what is with they're like 20 or 30 year age gap. And I was like, I, maybe I should have thrown that in there, but no, yeah, no, no, because look, people are, they're talking about the movie. You know what I mean? It's, it's an yeah. engagement thing. So 
Yeah, no. Also, it's a distancing factor. I, and it's interesting. Yeah, it is interesting. You know, that's the thing, is that th- this is interesting. It It is uncommon, but, you know, who gives a shit? Well, and I mean, you mentioned it. In the reality you're creating, um, as long as it's authentic to itself, it doesn't fucking matter. Yeah. And I, I call it a distancing tactic, because the whole uh, Overlook thing was born out of, like, getting friends together and watching indie movies in a theater setting because yeah. we were a projector. And, you know, when you watch a lot of movies, a lot, watch a lot of horror movies with people who aren't horror fans, you learn when people start getting scared or invested and they want to back off from it, they'll do shit like that. Like, they'll get hung up on, like, how their age difference is so weird. And it's like, yeah. why are you focusing on this? And it's because they don't want to interact with the material. They don't want to empathize with something that's going a found footage route. Yeah. So, you know, fuck those things. Like, I think... <laughs> Um, real found footage fans or like in-world camera people like us, uh, I love hearing you say that because, you know, if, if you add that in, it sounds like that's the director talking to me right now, trying to shut me up. Yes. It's like I'm spoon feeding you like, yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. You need a degree of separation. Have you ever watched, um, butterfly kisses before? Yes. Uh, that, uh, Oh, what's that that guy's name? Um, Eric, Eric Christopher, Christopher Meyer. Yeah, that's a trippy yeah. movie. Now he did it correctly, where you have a documentary about a character who's under scrutiny. So he he's put in this position where he needs to debunk everything so people stop talking shit to him. And mm-hmm. I really I think that's the only way I've ever seen that work. Otherwise, you know. It feels like the director is literally talking to me like, hey, that clown looked fake over there because he bought that at the store down the street and it cracked up. It's like, <laughs> shut up. That's exposition. Yeah, that it, it stands out. It, uh, it definitely stands out to me, too, where it's like, uh. And then, <laughs> another thing, too, was um, I've read so many reviews where, like, People, people say Gary can't fake an American accent to save his life. And I'm like, you think that that's what's going on here? That's just how he speaks. You know, the guy wow. has a, a speech impediment. Yeah, it's not rocket science. I mean, there's a lot of people think that he was British trying to do an American accent. Weird. Well, they're Isn't that- idiots. Isn't that mind blowing? I'm like, all right. That's more than one person. That's 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 a feedback of more than one person. Yeah, yeah. Oh, well, we have a problem on our hands. Well, here's the thing. <laughs> that's ridiculous. Now let me stand up for the found footage community. There are a lot of people who don't get out much. <laughs> they hang out at home <laughs> and they have a plethora of films to enjoy via the internet. So uh, the fact that people are having discourse about this movie at all makes me so happy. Of of course, of course. And and also people get really, really weird (laughs) and really, really just trite with accents. I mean, it's, it's always going to be a thing, especially when you're dealing with like specific, you know, um, you know, sections of this country, obviously, you know, we have a big country. We have a lot of people in this country and we have a lot of people that talk different than other people. We have a lot of immigration too. It's uh, uh, an enormous amount and it's great. 
And if we would actually take a step back and look at it, you know, realize how beautiful that is and, and realize, you know, our differences and, and how we react. But, but then, like, you know, if you have a British person doing a Southern accent <laughs> or if you have, like, Dan Aykroyd trying to be, you know, a Southern dandy mm-hmm. in, you know, uh, Driving Miss Daisy. Uh, by the way, people in the South are still talking about that <laughs> 30 years later. Uh, it is terrible, by the way. But, yeah, people get really, really weird with accents and the portrayal therein. There's also a lot mm-hmm. of British people who kill it. They take all the American rules. Well, I, think just, it's, yeah. I think it's the training. I think it's the training of the British actor uh, opposed to the American accent. Now, it's funny because it sounds like you're offended personally as a person with a very lovely accent. Well, mine is finally curated. Yeah, it's great. I, sound, I, I, I literally <laughs> took a metal bat to the head and I chew on my tongue now when I talk. But, you know, we, we learn to live with it. Well, Californians have a very, you know, non-offensive, sterile, boring, yeah, boring. accent. Yeah. Um, it's funny because with Gary in the movie, I, from the first minute I heard him, I thought he was like uh, just special needs. And I thought it was like a thing that we weren't talking about. And it's like, oh, they're kind of letting this guy unsupervised out in the wilderness doing survival videos, which is very popular on YouTube. But yeah, yeah, yeah I thought that was like an underlined kind of. Yeah, like, that was that's another thing that got brought up. And I think one thing that that on my end that may have um, kind of let it that way unintentionally is that I needed his character to be someone that did not have a lot of friends for a reason. And so, Mm -hmm. because you can't have him, someone go missing for a week and not have people reaching out all over the place that had to be, that was like a major concern is how is this guy going to be on a week long excursion be two days late and it's not a red flag right off the bat. So uh, I made him a character that just did not connect well with other people. He's a bookworm. He loves making his model railroads. And I think a lot of people interpreted the uh, him not connecting well with people as that, as like him being autistic or, yeah. um, or special needs, but he's a, in real life. He is a brilliant awesome dude he actually just moved up somewhere near you guys he uh is the director of a railroad up there oh shit a railroad oh, so, museum yeah so the train thing was was real borrowed from real life oh him and i are both huge rail fans yeah oh i love it yeah he's like a it. train aficionado though when i was a kid my dad took me um my dad and I, my dad would try to uh we would try to go on bonding expeditions together. Like one time, uh, the first big one outside of like going to football games and stuff, he took me, um, you know, canoeing one time and our canoe, uh, tipped over and we lost everything. (laughs) It was a good trip. And then one time we went, uh, there was a thing called riding the rails and it was essentially, you would be on like one of those little, um, it's like an electric cart thing. And they would go and yeah, you know what I'm talking about? And you could do that. Wait, yeah. I have no idea what you're talking about. I, I, I don't know. In my head, what, what are those things called? Uh, there's an, oh, man. There's one I'm called. I'm imagining a mine cart that you pump. It's not a pump. <laughs> it's not a pump. It's like a little it's go-kart that goes on the train tracks. Pretty much, I yeah. Know. Yeah, and we would ride, we rode the train tracks for like 
a half a day. So are they like defunct tracks or like? No, 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 no. These are active tracks. Um, and it was up in uh, Kosciuszko, which is a central part of the state. And um, yeah, it was great. We went over the Big Black River. It is was there fun. a fear of ever being hit by a train? No. No. How is a, there not a they fear? They had it worked out. Okay. <laughs> well, I'm imagining like basically a bumper car on a train track. And it's like, essentially, hey, essentially, I think it's one of those. <laughs> it, 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 I think it could actually like, uh, they would have it if they needed to like do work on a train or something or, you know, anything to kind of help out with the maintenance of the track. They get the little, they get the little cart out. And you could rent them? Yeah, it was a thing uh, called riding the rails. And uh, yeah, I, I've always been fascinated with trains, but I'm not, I'm not like a big you know, gearhead in that way. Yeah, that was in California? No, that was in Mississippi, uh, back oh, home Mississippi. where I grew up. Oh. Yeah, that was in Mississippi. Yeah, we don't do that shit out here, Dutch. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, I want to do it. Are you both from California? <laughs> I'm originally from Mississippi. Okay. I've been out here a decade. Okay. Yeah. Don't ask that. He gets very angry. No, I did fine. <laughs> and then Russ, you're you're a native. You've been here. Your I'm whole from life. like two miles away. You've been to like five states. Yeah, for sure. And I'm very proud of it now. That's fine. Yeah, I, I would like to go more. We'll get you. We'll get you out there a little more. Um, y'all are tripping me out with this train stuff. I've never understood. Trains it. are cool. Actually, one of the girls who uh, used to write, she was a contributor for The Overlook. She would babysit a lot, and she babysat this one kid who uh, she swore was like a sociopath. Like, he was just very cold and weird interaction. And she would creep, uh, he, she would be creeped out a lot by this boy. And um, he had kind of like violent tendencies, too. The only way she could chill him out is put on a live feed of a train station where it's just one of those cameras at a train stop. And he would just sit there for hours and watch it. So I've always kind of like associated. Can that we was me Dutch? as a child. <laughs> right? That was me. I would have just been glued. Yeah. Can we send Dutch uh, the most beautiful railway? Oh, probably. Yeah, let's do that. I mean, I wouldn't mention that on air, but Why? I don't know. They're cool. Yeah. So Dutch is a uh, in-world camera feature that uh, we got to show you called the most beautiful railway that uh, deals with the train. And it's from Germany. Yeah. And these, these dudes were so cool. They were like going to fly out and do it. It just didn't work out, but I'll make a note of that right now. Is it uh, a horror or is it? Oh, it's a horror. I don't tell people that. I'm just like, you like found footage. Just check it out. It's footage of a train. Are you on a computer? I see your eyes moving. Don't look it up. Me? Yeah, you. Oh, I'm, I'm not going to look it up. Yeah, but as soon as we're off here, I can't believe I've never heard of it. It's it's great. It's a 40 minute short. Um, Oksana, can you look that up? It actually might be streaming somewhere. Oh man, I've got to find it. You know, one of the later installments of Horror in the High Desert takes place on a train. Oh, Love it. So I got to make sure. Like, this okay. This keeps happening to me where I'll get this amazing idea what well what i think is amazing and then all of a sudden here it is coming out a movie just like it like i had this incredible concept which i'm still gonna do because it's a it's a lot different than the deep house but it takes it's a similar kind of thing and then i saw that trailer and i was like what the f (laughs) yeah it's so it I it just kills me when that happens. But did wait, you, did you see the Deep House? Unfortunately, I did. Oh, there oh, we go. It. All right, Dutch. I was in love with you, but what? Okay, I, okay. Here, okay. I did not. I didn't hate it. 
but I had a really insane near death experience in high school Mm. of drowning. I got sucked into a a drain pipe of a pool Mm. and traveled through a drain pipe for like 200 yards and came out in a river. So it was, it was insane. Yeah. So watching that movie, I, I almost can't even judge it as a movie because I was so like drenched in sweat and kept having to stop it. Just that hearing that bub the bubbles when they breathe and just that underwater kind of like monotone hum thing just kept tripping me out. All right, Dutch. Uh, Terrifying story. No, it's a horrifying experience. No disrespect, but unless that drain pipe ended in a haunted house, I don't (laughs) see the connection. (laughs) They're underwater for an hour. (laughs) facing a t- and then at the end there's a ticker like a time clock yeah where you're uh, on at a race to you know get to the top the end pissed me off i'll definitely say that yeah i get it Which, I- the after credit or um the uh sonic the hedgehog ticking time get some air uh, what happens right before the credits yeah okay yeah. Yeah, I think we're all kind of agree there. Uh, yeah, again, that film, like I got into a big argument with this screenwriter that we love. Um, shout out to listener Sam. He, uh, when we were talking about it, I was very excited because like I mentioned earlier, found footage films, uh, the craft is always such an interesting part of it. And I'd never seen an underwater drone before. So I'm like, dude, my mind's just getting blown at every turn. And when I talked to Sam, he's like, you have a lot of problems with the story when they get in the haunted house. And he starts mentioning all these like, bad ways of telling a story via script and i'm like well we're in two different worlds right now yeah like i was amazed that a dude was rocking on a rocking chair in scuba gear underwater yeah Yeah. like that's yeah (laughs) yeah there was some brutal exposition in there but i i think that the the of pardon the pun it washed right over me oh boy All right, we'll be right back. We're going to take a quick break. (laughs) No, I think just from a technical standpoint, how they were able to pull that off was just incredible. And I think it looks great. Yeah. And so that alone really carried me through it. But like, yeah, man, there's problems. Don't get get me wrong. Well, what about Chekhov's like, I can't hold my breath? Like right off the bat, you're like, oh, Oh, yeah, yeah. Yeah, but you're dealing with an underwater story. Like, you know. Natural, because like, here's the thing. Uh, I, I'm a fire sign, but I do love the water. That I, was really weird. <laughs> I know. I know what I'm doing. <laughs> I love the water, but it 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 terrifies the hell out of me. Uh, but I do I do love it because I, I I again going back to that canoeing trip. Um, I, I ended up going down that river many times, the Okotoma River, um, in Seminary, Mississippi. Uh, great if you're ever down there. Uh, and I became very fond of kayaking. And one time we were on a big trip and I, um, the, the river was up and I got into the current and then there was an undertow coming in from the current and I got pinned up against a rock and I couldn't get out of it. And then someone's dad got me out of there because I don't, I don't know if I could have gotten out. And so, yeah, man, the drowning thing, that's, that's, it's scary, it, man. Yeah. Water to me, the, after that, I'm just like, woof. even in just scenes in, uh, I think it was 007, the, the latest one, there was a scene where I was like, well, I'm going to go to the bathroom. 
<laughs> yeah. It, it gives me like a physical, oh, I can't yeah, watch that yeah. anymore kind of thing. That was tough. It's weird too because you, when you look into humans and how long we can survive without air, you realize how psychological drowning is too because yeah. the, what kills us is breathing in water. Yeah, because your body just shuts off and you pass out. Well, you can hold your, like you cannot, you can work without oxygen for over two minutes. And then the, if you, it's got to be your brain. Part about it to me is that when when this happened to me, is you have time to think. Oh yeah, this is about to happen, and then it got to a point where I was like, I physically couldn't keep my mouth closed anymore. That you know, when you're you're swimming underwater and you can't wait to get to the top and just take yeah. that like <gasps> like that big breath, and it hits a point where your body is just gonna do it anyway. And fortunately for me, it happened right as I came out in the river. So I was able to hack it up. So now if you're comfortable talking about it, I feel like I'm dying to know why you followed that clown down the storm drain. (laughs) 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 So what happened? (laughs) He wanted to play paper boats. (laughs) Yeah. Oh, man. No, really. Like, how did you get in the storm drain? So it's an outdoor pool. Yeah. And this this is in the high desert back where I shoot all these movies back where I grew up. It's kind of like a hot springs that they turned into a pool. And uh, there it was summer morning and it started lightning in the distance. So the lifeguards automatically pull everyone out of the pool everybody's got to go home uh but we knew two of the lifeguards me and my cousins so they let us stay and their procedure to since they're still on the clock is to drain the pool and then pull up all the moss at the bottom and push it down the drain once the pool is actually drained And it was super windy, kind of like that howling type of wind where it's like almost like movie wind. And uh, the lifeguard was telling me once we get the drain open, there's a, a metal grate that covers it that I need your help if you can pull that off. And I didn't hear the part of once the pool is drained. So I dove in before anyone could stop me and swam, not even thinking the drain was open, swam straight to this drain. And it was, I didn't realize until I got right up to it and saw things like flying into it at like 50 miles an hour that I was like, oh shit, I'm in danger. So I pushed off the bottom because this is maybe like, 15 12 or 15 feet deep i'm bad with with measurements it could have been deeper but (laughs) (laughs) so i tried swimming to the top and i just couldn't get anywhere oh my god and it was just like i got sucked right into it because i had pulled the screen off just enough that it sucked me in through the side cut me all up to hell and uh immediately got stuck because there was a boulder but I could turn my head back and see the bottom of the of the lake. 
and see lightning. Like all of a sudden it would light up. And so I was kicking around. I didn't even realize at that point, like the amount of danger I was in until I started moving down the pipe and the light got smaller and smaller and smaller. And then it was just pitch black. And that's when I was had enough time to think this is how I'm going to kick the bucket. But fortunately it comes out in a river. So it was the most terrifying water slide of my life. (laughs) (laughs) But what, what, what's the time? Do you, do you have like an accurate portrayal of like the time frame it took between, you know, you entering the drain and, and getting out? It was long enough that, so in between where the pool is, where I got sucked in, and the river where it comes out, there's a big fence to kind of separate the two. And it was long enough of a time that by the time I rolled up on the side of the the bank and crawled up to look through the fence, they were all looking in the pool down at the oh. drain. And the lifeguards were taking off their stuff and getting ready to dive down. They were coming up with a plan of what they were going to do because they thought that I got stuck up against the screen. So they were going to both swim down from the side and try to like pull me left or right. They were just in a panic trying to figure out what to do. And I screamed right in time before they dove in. So it was, it was minutes wise. I have no idea. It felt like forever, but yeah, for sure. I didn't die, so. <laughs> Thank God. Fuck, that sounds yeah. terrifying. How big was the drain? Because I imagine that being claustrophobic. You, you too. didn't die, oh. but in a way, Dutch, you were reborn. Oh, oh yes, I was. <laughs> I was an emotional baby when I came out of that thing. I would hear birds chirping and just start bawling. <laughs> Be like, oh. <laughs> I mean, it was crazy. The but the pipe was twenty four inches. It was like a trash can size. And thank God back then I was all knees and elbows. <laughs> I was like a, I was like a lanky built like a grasshopper little thing. Um, now you were going to turn that into an episode. Uh, I'm sure you still are. And if you don't want to talk about it, I get it. But no. So f- f- based on that experience and after reading about. Uh, Lake Lanier. Have you guys heard of Lake Lanier? No. Google it after this. It's insane. It's a man-made lake that kind of uh, flooded. They basically flooded a town. They evacuated a town, flooded the whole area, and it turned into a lake. So there's like a a race car, uh, not stadium, but there's a raceway underwater there. There's structures all over underwater. and People die by the dozens there (laughs) every year. And there's just crazy stories around this place. So I I came up with a same idea. Underwater racing story. (laughs) (laughs) Dude, it's a one. Oh, dude. (laughs) What? It's pretty close to you, Randy. You could go out there. It's in Atlanta. Or it's in Georgia, I mean. Mm -hmm. I see that. I'm looking it up. It's in Georgia. Thanks for joining us, Randy. Stories like the creepy stories will go down a rabbit hole. By the way, I've 
since we've started, I've drank this much water because uh, I'm afraid of getting what you two call old man mouth. Oh, yeah. Dude, isn't it brutal? It's bad. I we laughed just- so hard when you guys said that. Old man mouth. There's something about that NPR kind of like highly produced S town where they turn the gain up all the way and you just hear like, yeah, like, oh, I can't stand it. ASMR's in, dude. That is not ASMR. (laughs) It's ASMR, Jason. (laughs) You know, it happened while we were talking. Now, I realize now that not everybody has like headphones on, like me and Clark are wearing cans right now. And you can't really hear the gurgle that comes up a lot of the time, but it happened with Clark in the beginning of this interview. Every really? time you can see it, Dutch, if you ever see Clark go wide eyed for a minute, it's because he drank something bubbly and it came back up. I know. Well, I had to, I had to get my uh, Mandarin Haritos. Oh now, shit, we gotta, we gotta bring this back. Thank you for sharing that. It, oh, now first, uh, Dutch, if you look to your right in the chat, Randy actually put a link to the most beautiful railway. Thank you. Randy. Oh, great. Thank you, Randy. All right. One point for Randy being the best producer. Oksana, do you want to weigh in there? I found that it's available on DVD and the link, but it just never came back to me. So. All right. Randy, excuses. <laughs> excuse. All right. You lose mic privileges. Randy, go ahead and turn on your camera now. Wait, we have stopped doing that, or we got to record Loading video. video. <laughs> <laughs> Good job, Randy. Now you get to star in a Dutch's movie where you die in this lake. So <laughs> let's do it. We'll actually go there. I don't, Randy, I don't think Randy could drown because he's so hairy. Wait, what? He's just gonna, he's just gonna <laughs> always float. Randy can't sink. Do you absorb oxygen through body hair? I don't know, but he's the most deceptively hairy person of all time. Does you take a look at Randy? Do you hair, think though. that he's got Robin Williams chest hair down there? <laughs> I would not. <laughs> Robin Williams chest hair. Right. It's Randy, funny when your shirt. camera comes on because you're clearly the IT guy, though. There's a lot of <laughs> tech going on there. <laughs> also, Russell, the shirt only comes off for the uh, Patreon, which we don't have yet. <laughs> All right, dude. We got to make that That's happen. a special tier. God. Uh, how much? 20 bucks a month for the uh, shirtless Randy cast? Sure. <laughs> I felt like that was way too I'll fun. Out okay. Yeah, turn off your camera, Randy. You're fired too. <laughs> God damn it. Dutch, I'm sorry. We 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 no. used to have better. <laughs> now Dutch, I do I do want to compliment you on uh naming a character uh gal. I, I very much enjoyed that. Thank um, you. to have to have a journalist um named gal i was just <laughs> at first when i first saw it, i was like wait did they forget an i somewhere but then i was like you know what i like this i like gal as a as a as a name she it's funny you say that you thought i forgot an i because she thought up until we started filming the new one that her name was gail and yeah. i was like no it's gal it's gal um another I'm glad you brought this up thing is there is one. So when I was finishing this movie, I was also uh, working with a film festival and helping them really digitize everything to do the, the virtual pandemic festival thing, which was way more work than I realized it was going to (laughs) be. So I was doing that and finishing the movie at the same time. And mortifyingly a typo made it into 
the current uh, cut of the movie that's on Tubi. It's it'll be replaced, but I didn't notice it until we're sitting at the festival in a theater because I got to I got to go do a small in person thing. Oh man! And I just like seeing it the size of like a bookshelf. It misspelled was so mortifying. Did you guys catch that? I'm curious. I don't remember. I don't think so. Why? What yes. was it? Um, <laughs> the roommate Simon, when he when he first appears on screen, it says his name is spelled right, but then roommate only has one M. R O O M A T E. That's pretty mortifying for That's for not... a filmmaker. <sighs> now. Yeah, I, here's the thing. You need to know one thing, Dutch. Russell, you, Russell is the worst speller of all time. So, in fifth grade, I, I remember this very clearly. I hated Back to School Night. And uh, Mr. Lenhart, uh, God rest, no, I don't, he's not dead. God bless his soul. He may be. Uh, I remember he told my parents. He was like, your son has great ideas and he's um, smart. The fact that he can't spell doesn't matter. Computers will do it for him in the future anyway. And it was not only was he right, but he's wrong because fucking spell check. Like I try to, I try to rely, dude, sometimes they hang me out to dry and I'm like, and then Clark, (laughs) he won't let me get away with fucking anything. This is why this is why we have another monitor in the room so that I can split the screens and I can look up shit without you being able to read cuz you would stop what you're saying to point out I spelled something wrong. So thank you for that. <laughs> also, Dutch, I sympathize with you greatly. Um until we started doing a film fest, I never knew what it was like to have that that like this screening is now more than watching a movie. It's a thing that we set up. So if the audio doesn't work, if the video cuts off, if the door is too, like those fall on you. And it's like, you embody all this new anxiety. And I remember, Oh man, what, what movie I, you know, I shouldn't put it out there anyway. There was a film that you loved enough three and we had audio issues and I don't know what they came from. We did many digital uh, renderings of it. And there were audio issues. And I remember sitting in the theater sweating, going like, oh, my God, it's fucking tanking this movie. And I remember I had to get out. And I was like, dude, I can't be in there. I have to pretend like this isn't happening. And then the movie ended and people came out crying. And I was like, oh, no, like what happened in there? And they're like, oh, it's a beautiful film. And I think you know what it is because it made you cry when you watched yeah. it. Yeah. And my sister. But I just remember thinking they were crying because of the audio. Which doesn't even make fucking sense now that I'm talking about it. Well, when you're organizing, it's like you're under a microscope for it. For sure. You notice every tiny little thing like that. It's just, you're like a piece of bacon in a frying can. A frying pan. (laughs) A frying can. I mentioned a frying can. Out on the railway, when you're riding around with your dad, you need that frying can. There's On that same topic, there's nothing worse than as a filmmaker watching your movie in a theater where it'll get to like quieter, slower parts and you can just hear like rappers opening and people shifting around because every little thing you hear, you're like, Oh God, they're bored or like, you know, they're not into it. And it's just like this heightened awareness you have when you're the one responsible for it in a group setting like that. 
Oh yeah, I was a stand-up for a while, so I <laughs> I get it. Yeah, he knows what a bored crowd looks like. <laughs> Look, I played I played a nursing home one time where forty percent of the crowd was asleep. Oh, I thought you were going to say died. Uh, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I get it. Now, did you intro your own film when you did the uh, very brief live screening? Me? Yeah. Oh, at the film festival? Yeah. I did, yeah. Mm-hmm. It was okay. like a it was all pre-recorded. Oh, okay. Well, well, the intro was pre-recorded, but then after the thing, we did go live. We used a platform called uh, Sia Live, which was really cool. It's a Canadian-based company, um, and they do they have almost like a control room where there's some like a stage manager running the festival who can uh, like push you to stage and you pop up on screen kind of thing. Everything oh. flowed really well. Yeah. They had great uh, like bit rate and all that. Um, oh, interesting. And mm-hmm. you know, I only bring that up because you know, a lot of the time, oh man, when we did our white elephant party this year, or no, it wasn't white elephant. It was the Halloween one. I showed a movie, uh, Rocktober blood that I have very fond memory of. And uh, I knew in the middle of that film, it just is so sleepy. Nothing happens. And nothing's worse than like in the middle of a slasher. You just, you know, take a nap. Yeah. Yeah. And it's like, you know, normally you can kind of control that with the right kind of introduction. And I feel like that can, like, whenever we do an intro, we always talk about like, what is the right way to present this movie? Sure. And you always want to make sure people get the tone because I completely agree with you when when you feel that kind of like, loud ambiance of the theater and dude it could be soul crushing especially yeah. if it's something you really love yeah and you're like hey man i you know i feel like <sighs> so okay dutch um to get to get back on the rails here oh, uh <laughs> I, that was forced i'm not proud of that one <laughs> i love um, it so you know our introduction to you um is horror in the high desert now you've made fucking seven movies before that correct yeah well okay. a couple of them never came out and will um, never see the light of day why uh the first one is <laughs> like borderline <laughs> neil breen uh, or yeah is that his name neil breen neil green have you seen his films i have I, no I, idea you know, you know who he's talking about i do neil yeah. Brain, that's his name yeah. neil breen and you know the other room. it's kind of like a mix of that in the room. Oh, I do know Neil unintentionally. We, well, okay. All right. Dutch, I I'm gonna have just, to it. it was my first endeavor. I was, had no clue what I was doing. Um, everything went wrong. <laughs> it was a slasher that we were filming in an abandoned, uh, like farmhouse that I had only been in once. <laughs> So we take all these people out to the middle of nowhere to start shooting, and there's fucking bats in the house. Oh. So we, we spent the first night, like, running around from actual real bats. Uh, so it just, all the actors, everyone else brought their A game and knocked it out of the park. I had no clue what I was doing. In over my head. We filmed the whole thing anyway, but it's... I just had to tell them, you guys, this cannot be out there 
even on the <laughs> internet, because it's something that we, in a year or two you will wish did not exist. So, oh, okay. So you, so you went and I've heard a lot of filmmakers who are accomplished, uh, give this as advice to indie filmmakers where they're like, you know, just because you film something, don't share it. Like it could actually hurt yeah. your career. And yeah. I feel like, um, you've made that choice there, but now on IMDB, don't you have to pay to list films and all that information? Uh, uh-uh. you know, you, IMDb Pro you have to pay for, but Pro gives you the behind the curtain view of what's happening. So you can see who is attached to it, who their management is, um, some financial information. And it gives you the ability to get in touch with other filmmakers. Like if, say, you want to use a distributor you know nothing about them you can go on imdb pro and look up movies they've distributed and then get the contact information from that producer or director and get in touch with them so it's useful that way but if you're just listing a movie it's you don't have to pay to do that you just have to be able to prove that it's an actual um, piece of content okay so which which are the movies that you don't have as available Bleed Out is not available. Uh, Miserable Sinners, I love. it. It's like a, an anthology film. We just never got to finish it. And it's kind of at a point now where some of the locations that we used have so drastically changed. Um, oh. And the actors are now three or four years older, which isn't too big of a difference but it is a difference for you know like hairstyles and um it would just be really difficult to to flesh it out as a, a fully baked project i might release that as a short actually well then uh, what's the idea of um putting them under your like director credit just to show that you've got experience or to tease people like me who are dying to watch a film called Miserable Sinners <laughs> <laughs> So they were you can you can add a title when you're in pre-production just to get it out there on IMDb and it's a good way to start generating buzz for it yeah. If you, you know, if you have like a Facebook page or if you're trying to raise money for a um, GoFundMe or a Kickstarter, that kind of thing, it helps to have it on IMDb. But it's hard to remove something from IMDb. They make oh. that very difficult. Yeah. Like when actors are in movies that they're mortified and ashamed of, it is really hard <laughs> to have your credit taken off of there. Well, thank you, IMDb. I really appreciate that you do that. So, okay. So are you saying that you put it up there and then you're just kind of like, well, fuck, I wish I could take that down, but. Yeah. um, I do wish I could take Miserable Sinners off of there. And then once it's done, put it back up there. Bleed out. That I would have scraped from the record of everything if I could. Um, (laughs) It was just a hot mess well here's the thing you're playing in the world of um you know where fiction meets nonfiction, and we're blurring reality i feel like you could probably mine these features for content reconnect with the actors and turn that into something 
you are reading my mind. So that's an incredible suggestion. And I've kind of been toying with it. It's funny too, because bleed out the first movie that will never see the light of day. I tried doing what I did with horror in the high desert with that movie by using the movie footage itself as um, this group of film students making a movie vanished kind of thing. Mm -hmm. And this is their footage. And then, you know, interview the people around them, the, the, their family, their other film student friends. And we actually shot all of that. I did all these, I tried turning it around. I shot all this whole other cult thing involved with it, but it just still kind of felt for me watching it, even being closely related to it. I still felt like what you were saying earlier, where you're like, this is the director telling me to believe this kind of thing. It just, it, it had this very, um, phony feel to it. So I never. Now, it's interesting because, you know, film fans, if you go to like, if you take a couple community uh, college courses like I did and you walk away knowing a $10 name like Truffaut, you can start mentioning, you know, how the French had created the whole theory of the auteur and, you know, the directors put up on this pedestal and the film is really an, uh, it's an expression of a singular person filtered through the collaborative art that is so beautiful. Now in found footage though when we're dealing with the internet specifically you can take all that beautiful stuff and throw it out the window because at the end of the day it's the editor and the editor doesn't need to have a voice so uh, you could even just chop up that movie be a completely third party dark web uh you know hacker i'm air quoting here and just cut together like the kind of um edgy documentaries that show up on YouTube where it's like, Mm. you know, weird multimedia pulled from weird videos that are cut together and they're not even, it's not polished at all. And I think that kind of stuff could really work. And, um, you know, I only say all this because, uh, dude, do what's interesting, like cool ideas. You, you clearly are a very intelligent dude. And I think if you, if now that you're in that kind of like internet culture, do the fear footage two thing where how has nobody <laughs> ever made a movie about, Hey, the fear footage came out and apparently I'm in this movie, but I didn't film this movie. Yeah. That yeah. concept. I feel like if you brought that to a boardroom looking for money, they would la- they would light you on fire and throw you out the window. <laughs> yet, yeah. Yet for the internet, dude, I was so fucking excited. Uh, yeah. Uh, sorry. Yeah, go ahead. I was just going to say, I definitely have plans to, um, I just created a horror in the high desert YouTube channel. That's going to be same kind of thing, uh, as, as the films, but, a shorter, more streamlined, like YouTube video version of them, maybe 20, 30 minute, uh, little things that'll revolve around either different different stories altogether, or maybe some of them will like revisit something that happened in the first one that was never really talked about, kind of thing. Uh, just to have more content from that universe on YouTube, because it's YouTube's such a huge audience. Yeah, and it's and I love going down a YouTube rabbit hole with that that 
kind of stuff you're talking about that's just bizarre some of it doesn't even make sense type of of videos like there's one i can't remember um it's a found footage video that went viral on youtube and it's this girl in japan walking through her grandparents old dilapidated uh flooded apartment and it she kind of keeps repeating her it's very lynchian she keeps repeating herself and opening doors to rooms that are just like covered in mold and wet and going in this like little circle around this apartment and opening it but sometimes she'll open one and there's something in there that wasn't before oh really bizarre stuff that you could watch for 30 minutes and just be like what am i even watching but it's incredible yeah the best part about that stuff like the elevator game that came out of you know uh i can't i can't pull her name right now lisa lamb yeah the stuff is the audience is a bunch of fucking voyeurs who you know i kind of put down a little bit earlier saying they all hang out at home alone and watch films on the internet but i mean these are the people who their interaction with the film isn't in a theater it's not in a community setting it's like Mm -hmm. usually one foot away from the screen and they can pause the fucking movie, you know, with the space bar. So, you know, the thing, I, like, I haven't seen the video you're talking about. Please send us a link. I didn't send it to you. It's really crazy. Well, the thing that I, I instantly in my head, the picture I'm building is that once that video ends, the next one is like, you should watch. And then it's a video where there's red circles around the black and white footage. And it's like over here. And it's people trying to, like, figure out what the hell's really going on. And those are just as, like, fun. Like, and that's, you know, on the show I keep mentioning this, like, this uh, uncognitive negotiation we have with, like, the ARG moniker, where it's, you know, the alternate game thing. And I think now we're at a point where people who like found footage film, they are kind of silently agreeing to that already. So if you're buckled up and ready to do anything, then, you know, you get past people saying Gary all the time. Or, like... You don't think too much about the age difference. Also, I just remembered, was Horror in the High Desert the movie that we kept, we loved how the news anchor? Oh, yeah. Mm -hmm. You guys did talk about that. Dutch, uh, if I had an award to give you, I would, I would, (laughs) you're in LA, I would go out there and hand it to you personally. Me and Clark, it is uh, one of our pet peeves, like CGI fire, the fucking terrible news anchor. Yeah. It's, why do how do indie films get this wrong all the time? It's it it's also one thing that pulls me right out of a movie. Yeah. Like, it's just like, oh, they can be so painful. I got super lucky with this actor cuz he was, you guys called it. He was a former uh anchorman. Okay. Yeah. That sounds so, like something you would do. That was his first part. take. <laughs> Damn. Yeah, it's. Uh, and I'll tell you, uh, you know, you say indie. It's not just indie. Major, <laughs> multi-million-dollar Hollywood films fuck this up so but easily. How, like they're, it's almost like they're all cut from the same cloth. They're like very pretty people. They could have been a model, but they know how to read and so, articulate. So the actor's part of it, but the other part of it is just like you know the tickers. Sometimes yeah. it's way too busy, and it's just. Um, it, it's a, a it lot turns into yeah. a parody. Yeah, yeah, it turns into a parody of itself, and it, it really, like you said, Dutch, it takes you out of it. And you nailed it. You nailed it. <clears throat> I got lucky with that guy. 
I mean, he, I was so nervous to see cause he did it remotely cause everything was, you know, it was COVID yeah. and, uh, I was so nervous to open it. And when I opened it, I could not have been happier. And then I, it occurred to me to sell it even more is to, instead of just have it one thing too, for me, that's awkward about them is when they just come up on the screen, like you're watching that presentation. So I showed it on a TV. I showed it as like, you know, uh, someone comes running into a room. They're like, the news is back on and they're recording it on a TV. To me, that also helped with the authenticity of it. Frame rate, too. When people oh, yeah. are those, <laughs> if they got the frame rate wrong, it's just. Whoa. <laughs> now, um, Dutch, what was what was that first podcast you went on? It's an indie film podcast. Uh, indie Horror Rising. Yeah, shout out to them. Um, I really appreciate it. Now, we could never do it on this show because me and you don't know anything about cameras. But when you started talking about like the editing equipment you used and all the technical stuff, yeah. Even though I have no footing there, I really enjoyed it. And yeah, we're uh, not fucking nerds, dude. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. Randy could probably hang with it a little bit. Randy's but... a fucking nerd. That's why his camera's off. I know. He knows what his role is. He's on timeout. But yeah, um, again, like uh, everybody should go check that out just to hear that. Because again, like me and Clark talked a long time ago, we want to have guests on here and we want to be more of a podcast free form. And Dutch, I can't help but feel a little guilty that we keep you here and we talk about trains and stuff instead of your career. Which no, I, I really think you. I'm down well, you, have, um, you have two huge fans here and uh, I'm going to do my damnedest to see Bleed Out and Miserable Sinners at some point. Because oh, the fact you that you're hiding them, dude, that's a grail. You you realize it's the it's the Streisand effect. The minute you tell people you're not allowed, <laughs> that's our calling card. Thought about destroying the hard drive that Bleed Out is on because <laughs> I was like, if I got robbed and that thing was in some stranger's hands, I would not sleep for a month. Well, Dutch, here here's what you do: do an do an Alan Smithy. Why don't you Alan Smithy it? <laughs> Where you just you put that so that's that's an old Hollywood trick to where if the director um, didn't want to attach their name to the project, they would just put Alan Smithy as the name of the director. <laughs> the problem is I'm in it. <laughs> that's another. It's an Alan <laughs> Smithy film featuring Alan Smithy. I mean, I was act starring in it, directing it. Uh, I just would bit off way more than I could chew. I don't know. That sounds fun. All right. I mean, there are parts of it that are you all would die laughing at. You know what? I might send you some some scenes. <laughs> send, a little, send us a little taste. Send us yeah, a little taste. You, We're all friends here. Well, tidbit. When, when the world finally opens up, we have to do like screenings where we get like uh, rising talent like Dutch. We show his film in a theater like it should have been done more often. And then we, you know throw in a little bit of bleed out or something this is it we gotta do it and uh, man the fact i can't i'm gonna remember you saying i wanted to destroy that hard drive forever that is like dutch imagine you were me sitting here and you hear a director say that you're like i need to break into his house now because he's gonna destroy that fuck um man i don't know should we should we let him go I'm feeling guilty. We our but time. I gotta pee. 
we're at an hour 20, but I don't know how much of that Randy's going to cut out. We started around five minutes in. We're, we're an hour 15. Dutch, I, you know, I'm worried because I know you're very busy. I'm not. I mean, today I, I blocked out a, a couple hours. So couple, I'm good on okay. time. And, yeah. Here's what we should have opened with. What's your Zodiac sign? I am a Virgo. Uh-oh. <laughs> don't get on his bad side you know uh one of our guest hosts was a virgo uh a one terrell trotty so i uh, oh well then you're not far from me i'm a leo so i'm I'm right there before you okay dang and what are you I, gotta, I need to ponder on that me and oxana were both uh bulls we are tauruses okay. we're very stubborn that's how we keep the show alive even though clark is constantly trying to kill it yeah i <laughs> Again, rebirth, baby. Hey, Randy, what are you? You're like a Sagittarius or something on uh No, Randy's a Cancer. <laughs> Libra. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> I always forget. Because Miss Cleo, you're a Libra, aren't you, darling? <laughs> I like Randy didn't turn on his camera to say that. It just yeah. sounded like he yelled it across his kitchen. Um, <laughs> fuck, I don't know. You got anything I, for Dutch? Uh, b- before we go, I just, I'm going to send you guys in a week or two, a screener for the next movie, Minerva. Hold on. Let's say bye. Dutch, uh, love you to death, man. You're incredibly talented. You're going to be, whether you like it or not, you're going to be remembered on the internet and you're going to have people all over the world (laughs) digging into your film, trying to find your address and stuff. We had a, a brief uh, run in with that when we were doing an ARG for a 24 hour. Oh, yeah. So be careful, <laughs> make sure your stuff's not linked. And um, uh, thank you for carving out some time to talk with us today. Thank you for having me on the show. Yeah, awesome. man. Well, another thing just before we go, um, you have to know uh, the end of your film scared the shit out of Clark. And it was a rare moment where I wasn't looking and I had to rewind it and it, it fucking just (laughs) works. So yeah, if people haven't seen horror in the high desert, go on Tubi, do it while it's free. Because uh, as we know, Nigel Bach got picked up by breaking glass and all the shit's pulled now. Yeah. And they recut it and they, and they recut a movie. Yeah, we'll oh, talk about no. that. They, and they recut it in a way where they added footage. They to added it. 15 minutes. What the fuck? What are we doing? And again, what? Dutch, just like your features, we like a, a brisk runtime. Yeah. Don't don't adhere to that 90 minute yeah. thing on footage. Do what you need. They yeah. fucking. Oh, that 90 minute thing is bullshit. All right. Yeah. Thanks again, Dutch. Love you, Dutch. Thanks, guys.